0: Thanks, Matt. And as uh, we begin our time uh, looking at God's Word, as our children go to Children's Church, uh, it's just an opportunity for us to to be the, the people of God as we hear from the Word of God spoken by the, the living God. Uh, just as we prepare for The Chosen, and The Chosen is a great opportunity for us to gather God's people, have fun with each other, get to know one another better, as well as make this an invitation opportunity. Hopefully you're thinking and praying about people in your relational world. We call that our oikos, and this is true for those who are online as well as those uh, uh, in person, is we want you to be inviting. Uh, Just yesterday, uh, one of my neighbors was across the street, and so I said, you know, I ought to go over there, so I went and talked to him, and actually I tried to do something nice which is normally not my, you know, habit. But uh, help him uh, move some furniture, and then I said, "Hey, uh, on in, in June we're going to have this the series on the chosen, which looks at Jesus from a kind of a Jewish perspective. Yeah, he's he's Jewish, and anyway, invited him, and he said, I want to come.' So I just want to let you know that it's it's hard for people to come unless you invite them. So just make that opportunity. The worst they can say is." But they might say, yes. all right, now we're done with the sermon. You got all my fill in the blanks. All right. For the last few weeks, I've broken some preaching rules. Uh, one particular Sunday, I spent all my time really in my introduction and then spent five minutes on my really message. And then last week, I, I gave six points normally in, in uh, what they call the homiletics class or the sermon class. They say, don't go more than three or four points. Today, I'm, I'm not going to break a rule. I only have three points I do have some sub points, but I only don't need to clap on that. <laughs> but since you were clapping in derision, all right. Uh, uh, sometimes I go through my old files and, and when you've been in ministry... Uh, getting close to almost five decades now, okay, and that, that's why um, you need a new pastor. But anyway, uh, I was going through some old messages, and I, and I found some messages that I decided I probably didn't need to keep. And, and one of them, it was on a It was a Mother's Day message, and I said, I, I want to give my very best to the ladies in our church, and so I, I want to give them everything I got. So I decided that I'd be real creative, and I'd take the alphabet, and I decided, you know, I don't need Three points. I don't need six points. I'll give them 26 points on being the great mother. You don't think that was that great, right? Either, either did my wife. She said, let that one go, all right? Let that one go. I, actually, it was vitamins. I said, Here, here's vitamins for all those who want to be all that God wants to be. And it was 26 points. So Father's Day follows Mother's Day. And I gave you know, the men a message on Father's Day. It was one point, which was simply, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid, all right? So anyway, so anyway... Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at what God has to say about leadership. And in many ways, I am going to shift it a little bit. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're only going to go through four verses. And it's interesting as you look at the way Peter wrote or whether Paul wrote or any of the other writers in the New Testament as you look at their epistles, which were it's a fancy word for letters, and then thinking back when... We didn't email people or text people, but we actually wrote them letters, what you had to put a stamp on. And, And sometimes when you did that, you would write longer letters, right? And if you wrote to a family, sometimes you would write it primarily to one or two people that were going to open it, maybe the ones that are on, you know, on the opening of the envelope. But if you wrote to the family, you're thinking, would I only speak to mom and dad? Or do I only speak to the older children? And sometimes you might put some things in the letter that were particularly for one part of the family. Well, as you think about Peter writing to the church, and there are many words in the scripture related to understanding this thing called the church. Sometimes it's called the flock, and we're going to see some of that imagery in the passage we look at today, and I'll start to try to slow down my speech, uh, my rate of speech. Uh, Sometimes it's called the flock, and that's uh, a picture of us being a bunch of sheep, uh, and, uh, and God wants us to have our our sheep shepherd by uh, God's leadership. Sometimes we're called the body of Christ, and we think about the body of Christ, the leadership there is thinking that that Jesus is the head. He's the one that really is the leader of the church. He has those who lead underneath him, but we want to look to the leadership as far as finding God's program through people he's called to, to give direction in, in the family of God. Uh, but particularly here we 're going to look at not only how God wants us to understand leadership with formal leadership in the church, but even really looking at leadership in a broader sense, because as you think about God calling people to lead in the church, as you look at all the descriptions all the all the things that they are to be and be and to be about, all those would really be true for all of us as well. Any, any one of us. Uh, we, we are to live godly lives. We are to live prayerful lives. We ought to live lives of example. We ought to live lives with passion. We ought to live lives without hypocrisy. We ought to be concerned about the people around us. We ought to use our gifts and, and talents to, to, to invest in other people. We ought to do everything to the honor and glory of Christ. Would, would we amen that? So, we're all called to be leaders. Well, what, what is leadership? And there's a lot of things that people have said about leadership, and I thought I'd begin with some of the ones that people have written. I think this past week in an email blast, I, I sent out a couple of them. Uh, but I like uh, what Jay Oswald Sanders said about leadership. What do we mean when we use the word leadership? If I were asked to define it in one single word, and this has been repeated by a lot of people in recent years, the one word would be influence. When you're influencing someone, you're leading someone. The late president Harry Truman often referred to leaders as people who can get others to do what they don't want to do and make them like doing it. Now, um, if, if you're a parent, you know, maybe that's been part of your goal is I want them to have a chore. And after a while, I want them to actually like what they're doing, seeing how they're contributing to the family, then helping everybody else. And after a while, they realize, even though I might not enjoy doing this particular task, I, I, I really enjoy what it, how it impacts other people around them. Okay? Uh, I Leadership. Uh, John uh, John D. Rockefeller, who was a pretty good leader in the financial realm, he said this, I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun. And and so as he thought about his organization, his institutions, he said, really, as, as I draw people into working for me to be Uh, My leadership team, they might have a lot of skills, they might have a lot of competency in a lot of different areas, but I want them to have the ability to relate with people because if you can't relate with people, you're you're not going to move the needle very far which just reminds me, I had one of our leaders tell me right before I came up here about the chosen. And I said, that's not my job. I'm not going to do it. But uh, he asked me to say, as we think about the chosen, all right, uh, if, if you don't go online or if you don't call the church office, you can always uh, put it on the response card. And, and, and this is also just a get out of jail card. If, if you forget to do so, you can still show up. We'll only give you half a hamburger. We won't get you a full hamburger. If you invite some people and you forgot to tell us they were coming, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, Some of our people won't eat at all. All the staff will just give you all their food that they were going to give anybody else. But anyway, so yeah, people can come on those evenings, whether they're signed up or not, but it just gives us an idea how how many people might come. And and so as we think about leadership, leadership has all kinds of ramifications to it. I like what this one individual said, his name was Benjamin Hooks, who I know nothing about. He says this, he who thinketh, he leadeth, and I've read this many places, and hath no one following him is only taking a walk. And so as we think about, yeah, I'm a leader, and if you're looking around you, no one's following, then, then maybe your influencer, that's somehow that, that chip that's put in your, in your body isn't, isn't functioning because if you're really leading, you're influencing, which someone is looking at what you're doing, say, I want to be a little bit more like them and follow them. Leadership uh, like this one is the ability to hide your panic from others. And so sometimes people don't take on any formal position of leadership because they don't want to fail. They, They don't want to be in a position where they let people down. But the reality is no leader doesn't have a uh, a concern in their own, their own heart that uh, a nervousness about them that they might not do it well and maybe somebody else could do it better and then what usually happens is no one's doing it at all and so you, you hide your panic you do your best and you try to influence uh, I, I think any, any honest parent would say is, is they looking forward so much forward to having a child in their home and then they then they get one of those children they go now what do I do with them right uh, you know, if I fail them, I've just ruined part of uh, the next generation. And, and so no matter how unprepared you feel about where you are in your life, is that that God has called you influence to influence someone else. And if you have the right heart and you have the right goal, you, you, you'll do well. Uh, but keep at it. But then there's one last one I'll just share with you. Um, and, and this is what... <laughs> Well, this is what one person wrote. He says, The leader's true worth may sometimes be measured by the amount of time he could remain in it dead in his office without anyone noticing it. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes we wonder, well, yeah, I guess uh, I'm leading really well, but uh, I haven't been doing anything. And all of a sudden they realize, well, I guess he hasn't been doing anything. Maybe we can get rid of him. Uh, so anyways, we think about leadership. It's all about influence. A- and for God's people, the whole point that we want to get across is that we want to influence people spiritually. There's all kinds of areas and and places in life where we want to influence people academically, athletically, relationally, financially. But most important is to impact people spiritually. That's the only thing that's going to last forever. And so we want to make sure that God's people know how we can influence people around us to look one more time at Jesus or to follow Jesus one more time. So this morning, what I want to do is I just want to share some simple things as Peter writes to the the formal leadership of his church, as he writes to that subset of people that he's writing to, but how it really impacts all of us to to be and do what God wants us to do and to be. And so how how do you make it happen? How do you make it happen that you you lead others spiritually and spiritually well? Uh, I, I would begin this way. Make sure you have what you're trying to give. Make sure you have what you're trying to give it. If you're trying to help somebody do something or be something, make, make sure that, that you have the ability to do that yourself, uh, that you are trying to be that yourself, because you can't impart what you don't have. Isn't that a, a brilliantly profound point? You can't help someone spiritually if nothing ha- is happening spiritually in your own life. So, so the first thing you've got to do is make sure your own life is inflamed with the, 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 the fire of Jesus Christ in your life, that you, you recognize his presence, you have his presence in your life, that you are in love with him so that you can help other people to be in love with him. And, and we need to take the whole spiritual walk out of its mystical or, or complicated place. And there are a lot of things that God wants us to progress in, but, but really what he wants us to do is to, to live and love him. And then to live and love others like him. So that people can learn to, to be with Jesus. And, and so as, as Peter writes. And I, I just couldn't resist the temptation. As you think about Peter connecting with things he has just written. Or getting them prepared for what he's about to, to write. He often uses that little word. Well it's actually not a little word in the English. Therefore. And again, whenever you read the therefore, it's the therefore, therefore. And sometimes it's primarily for what was just written. Sometimes it's primarily for what will be written. And at the end of last message, as we looked at his challenge for us to be prepared for whatever might come next, uh, he he gives a parting statement. It, it all begins with making sure your your life is connected to Jesus in a in a in a real way. And so he says in. First Peter chapter 4, verse 19, Therefore, those also who suffer, and that's what we talked again about last week, according to the will of God, which is to remind us sometimes that things you're going through, it's not an accident, it's not just because we're in a broken world. God wants you to go through some things that He can grow you stronger. He says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And so it really, it really is all about, you think about the Christian life, it's really all about God and our connection to Him. And when we make that deposit, when we entrust ourselves completely and fully to Him, who is faithful, who knows what happened in the beginning because He's the creator. He's no, He knows what's going to happen in the end because He's the one coming again. We trust Him because He, he knows it all. And, and when we do that, we are doing that which is right. So now he speaks not just individually. He says, look, at but corporately, I want you to understand, I want you together to do well as a people collectively. But even as we think about a team, you're only as good as the individual players on the team, right? So each one of us needs to play our part. Each one of us needs to be connected spiritually so that as we influence a world needing to know Jesus collectively, that we influence a people Individually, as we all want to be a leader for Jesus' sake to influence people spiritually. So then he goes on and he uses, again, the word therefore. Okay, I, I'm, I'm prepping you to, to listen in on what I'm about to say. And just in case you missed, because I just spent a lot of time in, introducing this, he, he's basically going to say, from my perspective, make sure you have what you're trying to give. Make sure if you really want to be the church collectively, if you want to be... One, walking with Jesus now, make sure you have what you say maybe you have or other people say you have, but make sure you've got it, and you've got it in a, in a deep dose. Therefore, I exalt the elders among you as your fellow elders. So I say, look, I'm not just telling you what I think you ought to do. This is what I have to do as well. And, and the word elder, I have to watch how many trails I go down. As you think about leadership in the church, there's three words in the New Testament that God uses for formal leadership in the church. The word elder, which is a word primarily to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm looking for people who lead to be mature in what they're leading in. And, and that's a progressive thing as well. If I want someone to grow spiritually, it is helpful if I'm just a little bit ahead of their game, Right? If, I, if spiritually I'm a, a little bit more connected or been, been a little bit more faithful or know a little bit more than the person I'm trying to influence, then I'm prepared to lead them spiritually. Does that make sense? If, I, if I'm going to teach someone how to play golf, which I would never do, okay, it, it would be helpful if I knew a little bit more about golf than them, right? And so he's saying, look, if you think about spiritually, we all pursue being mature in our faith. Another word that's used in the New Testament for leaders is, is a word for pastor. And, and the word pastor really means shepherd. So as you think about uh, leading, you're, you're really focused on sheep or people. As he called the disciples, you know, you've been fishers of fish. Now I want you to be fishers of men. And so he could have said, I'm going to make you, a, yeah, that could have been the, fr- the phrase that's used for leadership in the church. You're going to be a fisherman. Uh, I, I want you to be good at collecting fish. I want you to be good at taking care of sheep. And then another word is the word for bishop, episcopos, which has the idea, I want you to oversee. I, I want you to look well uh, and, and see your people really well. Because if you're not noticing things in, life, in their life, you're not going to be able to help them. But that was all for free. Let's move on. He says, there I exhort the elders among you as your fellow heirs and a witness of the sufferings of Christ... There's just so many things in here that you just have you can't, can't you can't leave out. Okay, I I shared this with one of the small groups this this past week. You know you know what the word for witness is. Some of you know this. It's it's the word martyr. As a fellow martyr for Christ, and you're thinking, man, this witness thing is a this is a this is a pretty big challenge, isn't it? Now, initially, the word witness simply meant what we would say it means, that it's a person who has seen something and can relate what they've seen, or they've heard something, and they can relate to someone else what they've heard, or they've experienced something, and they can share their experiences. But what happened here is that the temperature had risen quite dramatically, that often it really cost them their life. And so it was, their life was on the line when they shared what they had heard about Jesus, when they shared what they saw about what Jesus does in people's lives. And when they t- told her their experience that this is the only really source of, of living hope is found in Jesus, there was a pushback. But what are you saying to them? I want you to understand that, that we are fellow mature people trying to walk with Christ and that it's not always going to be easy because we're going to share in the sufferings of Christ. And this is the one word that I want to get from the point of that first point. And a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. And, and so if, if we're going to hammer home that point I want to make today as we think about how can we lead well spiritually for all of us. And this is every time I preach, I'm preaching to myself as well, is I need to make sure I have what I'm trying to give. And that's a, a, a day-by-day, moment-by-moment experience. I, I can't just talk about, you know, what God has done in my life a month ago, a year from now, a year ago, or whatever it might be. I've got to talk to people about or, or at least live out what He's doing in my life right now. Isn't that, isn't that really important? And so as you think about that, we need to be a partaker this is a strange word in the, in the original language. It's, it's hard to even translate. Some translate it literally. It's, it's being about. I, I, have been, I'm a, a person who's been about Jesus. Another person says, I, I've a person, I'm a person who's shared in Jesus. Jesus. I've, I've, I've drank the Kool-Aid about Jesus. I, I have taken part of that and it's now part of me and that's what Paul, uh, Peter was, was challenging. I want you to understand as I challenge you, fundamentally what I am, I'm a partaker of Jesus. To the other place, it's, and I think I put this in your outline, you are a partaker, not a poser in what God is offering. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And we got to make sure we're about Him. Were participants um, sometimes when I tell you about my culinary pursuits uh, some of you think i don 't do anything in the home and which maybe I should do more than I do in the home but anyway so you know i, I don 't do a lot of cooking in our house okay and but yeah but what if I just told you you know I just love baking I, lo- I love going on the grill. I, I, I love smoking all this meat to its perfect temperature. I, I, I love creating real um, special food for other people. I, I, the, the aromas and, and, and just the, the joy other people get from it. I, that's just my life. And, and then you might ask me, well, what's your favorite thing to, to cook or to bake? And I said, well, I don't ever bake anything. <laughs> I don't ever cook anything. You know, I, I could talk a game, but, but I could not I could not really share you any experiences because it's all talk. And so Peter just, I mean, just challenges. Like, I, I want, as I exhort you, as I challenge you. And he's going to give him specifics on that. It, but he says, I, I, you need to be a part of what we're talking about. One of the verses that just speaks so plainly to me about the simplicity of, of being a partaker of Jesus is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And Paul writes this, he says, but I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. You know, and the worst thing in life is, is not what we do that's wrong, it's being deceived about what we're doing that is wrong, right? There are many times I've done wrong, and I've had the wrong attitude, said the wrong thing, didn't do what I should have done as well as I could have done it, and you know, and I, I can at least be open to the Spirit of God correcting me and, and then change and ask for forgiveness and all those kind of things. But when I'm deceived, when I, when I don't know what I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, or I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I sh- should be doing that I haven't been doing, that's the most dangerous place, isn't it? It's really it's really that place where so often we can get we can get apathetic in our faith, right? We can kind of just, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm, you know, I'm, and then you don't really realize that you, that your first love has been left somewhere in the past, and that passion is no longer there. And so this is this is what the enemy wants to do more than anything else is get us apathetic about our faith. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. From the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So that, that's the measuring stick always for our life. Not so much what we're what's on our to-do list. So that's important. But where's our heart? Are we simply and purely devoted to Him? Is He the most important person in our life? And out of that relationship with Him is how, how we treat other people and how we influence other people because it all comes from that relationship we have with Jesus because Jesus came not to be served but to serve and to give his life for others and and that's that's what we ought to be about influence them to, to know Jesus so as we think about how we how we influence others it just begins with what's going on in our own life right what's going on in our own life with Jesus Make sure we, we have what we're trying to give. We're not posing ourselves as some... I, I never watch... I mean, I don't even... I, I, I'm just amazed how people watch cooking shows, you know? I'm thinking, what in the, what in the world are you doing? You know, I just like to eat it. Somebody else can prepare it. But, but you know, don't, don't be a poser in your relationship with Jesus. But then secondly, uh, make sure when you're leading and you're trying to influence people, it's about them and not about you. Make sure it's about them, not about you. Uh, You know, working with people or being around people is the greatest joy in the life, but it's also the greatest, what? Misery of life, right? I I, I like being around people, but sometimes I hate being around people. Anybody else want to be honest in church today? Okay, so, you know, know, people, I mean, just people, you you know, I'm a people person, but then sometimes... I want to change the people I'm a people person about, right? So, so it, it, is that? It, and then all of a sudden you say, "Well, I want to influence them, but I, I just don't want to get that close to them. Or, I, I'm tired of them, or whatever it might be." But then my my desire to influence it's more about me than about them, right? And so as we think about being a leader, it's it's about influencing people, and it's more about them than about us. And the one of the, the one of the one of the measuring sticks of that is that. Where, where are you at in your complaining thermometer, right? If you're complaining about them all the time, it's more about you than it's about them. And, and, and Peter writes it this way, looking at the text, and this is really the only point that has subpoints. Uh, he says this in verses 2 and 3, and then we'll go back and hit a couple of them. Shepherd the flock of, of God among you. It's kind of pasture the flock among you. Exercising oversight, and that's kind of the episcopos word, being like a bishop or being like a, an overseer, not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain but with eagerness. Not yet as lording it over those who allowed it, who are allowed it to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And, and, and so it, it's Peter writes this, he really speaks about leadership in the church, but really you could see this in a, in a home situation, you could see this in a job arena, you could, on the, on the athletic field, Have you ever been a coach or a manager of a team, you know, all these things are going on, and, and sometimes you have to take a step back, why am I doing what I'm doing, you know, and how am I doing what I'm doing? And so as we're influencing people spiritually in our own home, in our neighborhood, at church, whatever it might be, we've got to always remind ourselves, it's not about us. It's about them. And what he does here in terms of say, well, what does that really mean? He says, and we'll just read back and then I'll make the bullet points. He says, shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain. And so I would say this very simply. You say, look, don't do it selfishly, but do it Selflessly. Go, go go the extra mile and realize it's, it, as you think about being an influencer, you think about a leader, it's it's not always going to be fair. How come I'm putting all this energy into it and they're not putting much energy back? How, how come they're not responding with all my brilliant wisdom or whatever it might be? How come they're not listening to everything I say in the home, whatever it might, you know, wherever it might be? Is that, if people aren't listening, the first question you need to ask is, well, why aren't they listening? Maybe it's how I'm saying it or what I'm saying. And maybe if they're not extending themselves, maybe, maybe you've heard this before. If you want someone to bleed, you better be hemorrhaging, right? That example must be so profound that people can see that that's really what you're all about. So, as we think about impacting people, we, we need to care for people, and we need to care for them selflessly. Now, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, I, I, I've never been a shepherd or a son of a shepherd, a real sheep, but it, as the Bible describes as sheep, that's not quite exactly a compliment. Have you, have you heard that before? You know, sheep are described in a variety of different ways. Often, just they're, they're just dumb animals, but But uh, just reading a couple things that people have said about sheep. Sheep spend most of their time eating and drinking. But if they become lost, they're helpless to find adequate food and water. Left to themselves, sheep will indiscriminately eat both healthful and poisonous plants. Or overgraze and ruin their own pasture. And they need to be led to water that is not impure and stagnant not too hot or too cold, and water that is not moving too rapidly. That is why the psalmist refers to quiet waters in Psalm 23 Two Sheep are much in need of other assistance as well because their wool secretes a large volume of oily lanolin that permeates their fleece, much dirt, grass, and windblown debris clings to it. Since they have no ability to clean themselves, they remain soiled until the shepherd shears them. Between shearings, that dirty, sticky accumulation must be cut away from under their tails. Sounds like changing diapers, doesn't it? <laughs> or they cannot eliminate waste and become sick and even die. Because sheep also are naturally passive and virtually defenseless against predators. And when attacked by their own recourse is to flee in panic, the shepherd must continually be on guard to defend and rescue the sheep from attack. And as Jesus speaks in John chapter 10, he says, look, if you just hire someone to watch the sheep, when it going and get stuff, they're going to take off. But if they, they love those sheep and they care for the sheep, they'll go through all that. To influence them to be healthy and to be cared for and to learn where they can graze and where they can't graze. And again, if you picture this in terms of the home or, or people in your job arena or whatever my influencing people to, to do what they need to do, though they don't want to do it now, but they'll learn to later see the wisdom of doing what they're doing you know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, if we're called sheep, is there anything good about sheep? And I read one author and they said this about sheep. Is sheep unlike cattle? Cattle, uh, we're not talking about um, milk cows, but the cattle that you you push when you you move them out from one place to another, you're basically leading them to slaughter, aren't you? But but sheep are, are so useful that often they don't raise sheep to eat the sheep but they they raise sheep because the value of their wool and and they they keep the sheep because of the value of them ability to produce more sheep and as you think about sheep um, they also can give milk as well And, and so God uses this not only in a term of 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 uh, embarrassment as far as identifying with sheep that are so needy, but also you are extreme value and worth to him. So how do how do we influence people? We we care for them, but we do it selflessly. And, and then he said, "Don't do it under compulsion." He says uh, you need to guide them willingly. And, and so as we think of why am I doing what I'm doing? Does someone strong arm me and give this responsibility? And now I just got to do it. Is that you realize whatever whatever God has called you to do and to be in a formal way or informal way, you, you want to check your heart and your attitude and say, the reason I'm doing this, is because I've chosen to do this. I, I I'm willing to do this because of the importance of the task or the people I'm caring for. And as you as you think again, every time you look at that child and you're just tired of doing whatever you're doing for them, you say, well, why did I have children? <laughs> And hopefully the reason you have children because you wanted children. And and now you want to be the best mother or father you can to be to those children. You know, why are you a friend to someone? Um, And and sometimes if you look at I don't know if you, if, if you ever do this, look back at your friendship relationships and, and sometimes you have friends that, it seems like they, all they do is bring you joy. You just can't wait to hang out with them. And, and then others you go, I, I really care about that person, but they're not always the, the funnest people to hang out with, right? But you care about them. And so you willingly do what you can to influence them in a positive way to be there for them. And, and then that whole idea of eagerness to serve them not only selflessly and guide them Willingly is to serve them eagerly. This is, this is a privilege to be what God wants us to be. And he says, don't don't lead uh, out of compulsion, but with eagerness. This, this is what God has called us to be. And, and then the, the part that just, I think, is so important for us to always remember in terms of, of living out the life, he says, and proving to be examples to the flock. So it, it is not... Only what we say or instruct verbally or in some kind of a curriculum, but it's it's being a person that people can look at and say, I want to be more like them. You know, as we think about all the failings we have in our own life and the failings that there is in the church, and there's a lot said about the church now and how bad the church at large is in America, is that this is this is the Lord's creation, the church. This is his bride. And we are to, to love the church. And, and we are to recognize that we are to be examples for others. What it means to know Jesus. How to know Jesus. And what it means to love and live like Jesus. We, we want to be an example to others. And the word example really has the idea of, of, of giving an impression. It's like they would, they would give an impression on some wax and put it on a particular document. And that would be an official document. And, and that impression was was like an example to what that person would represent. And that's what we are to be as well. So what is it this morning? We only had three points. First one is very simple. If we are lead well spiritually, we want to make sure we have what we're trying to give. Then secondly, we want to make sure over and over again, it's not about us, it's about them. It's a focus on others than ourselves. And then finally, just look at verse four. He says, and when the chief shepherd arrives, and who's that? I want to make sure you got that fill in the blank right. And when the chief shepherd rise, who's that? That's Jesus. You will receive the unfeigning crown of glory. And you're thinking, wow, you threw that in. And I think he's throwing a little motivation there. Motivation is: look at God's going to see everything that we do, and and if no one else notices. God does. And, and sometimes, and in fact, probably more times in my life than the other, when I'm thinking about God watching, I, I'm, I'm hoping that he wasn't watching. Anybody want to raise your hand on that? You know, some of the things I, I wish he didn't see or hear what I did or, or didn't do, and, and I don't like God watching all the time. But, but the reality is God is like the parent or the boss or the coach or whatever it might be. They're not delighting in catching us doing wrong. He, they're delighting in catching us doing what's right. Isn't that true? Don't you love to, uh, if, you, if you got it on film, seeing something you know that you want to remember about your kids and, and you got it on film and, and you could see that over and over and over because you caught them doing something well or something that they were joyful about, uh, whether, whether it was in a photograph or whether it was a, something you put on a DVD, whatever it might be. You, you delight in catching people you care about doing what is right. And, and that's what the chief shepherd is trying to do. He, he loves to look at his children leading others well spiritually and and he says, look, I, I want to show them a, 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 my, my joy. And so he gives us a crown. Now, this, this message is not about the crowns that we're getting in heaven. We know in Revelation 4.10, these crowns are going to be thrown at the feet of Jesus. But whatever it is, and in one sense, it's like what we do in sports now. Everybody's going to get a trophy in heaven. You know, just being there is a trophy. Okay, whether you played it all or not, you get a trophy if you really, really know Jesus. But the idea here is not to build us up, but it's to give us a sense of joy that... Our our Savior saw what we were all about. He he caught us doing what is right. And and so he wants us to to be those kinds of people that that recognize what is life really all about. It's it's about knowing Jesus and making him known. It's about loving God and loving others. It's about living a life that honors him by helping more people follow him. And how do we do that? With a passion to lead others spiritually well. And we can all do that. And how do we do that? Is make sure we have what we want them to get. That we have a vital relationship with Jesus. That we aren't deceived by by somehow being led astray from the simplicity. And this really has the idea of singleness of mind and purity of devotion to Christ. What has God won from us? He wants us to love Him. And He's worthy of our love. He's he, he's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our, our singular commitment to, to live for him. And, and secondly, he wants us to recognize, okay, as you do life, it, it gets messy. And, and as you go through life and you get discouraged, man, just realize it's really not about you. It's about the people you're trying to influence. So let's not get caught up in just being so, so focused on what's happening to us when we really should be more concerned about what's happening to others. And then, as I tried to put in that last line, is make sure you're pleasing the one leading you. You know, the Apostle Paul in Galatians said that one of the things about ministry, and again, we're all involved in ministry. We're all members of God's family. If we know that Jesus, we're all called to be ministers and we're all called to be missionaries. But as ministers, he said, look, some of you are just people pleasers. He said, that you know, look at you're, you're not left here to please people. You're left here to please God. Does that make sense? And, and so when we don't receive the pleasure of people, uh, then redirect what's important to you and realize, are, are you getting the pleasure of God? And so what's the so what this morning? God, God wants us to be influencers. And he wants us to influence people well spiritually. I'll close with this illustration. Um, you know, as you think about leading well spiritually, and we all need to ask ourselves the question, how, how, is that, how well is that going? Am, am I identifying people that not only do ministry with, but am I identifying people that I want to specifically influence people to, to live and to, to love Jesus more? Um, and well, how does that happen? Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who had a pretty good run as a leader, in the military and then as the President of the United States. And he would often illustrate this. He'd say, look, I want, I want you all to lead well. But if you don't understand this, it's going to be a struggle all your life. And you put a string on a table. And he said, now, if you want to move this string in a particular direction, you can get behind the string and you can try to push it. Have you ever tried to do that? You know, when you push a string from the behind, from, the, from the back... It doesn't go very well to the direction you want it to go. But if you can get out in front of the string and, and you can and lead it from the front and, and just pull a little bit, it'll follow you wherever you go. And so as we really think about leading well spiritually, it's, it's realizing that Jesus leads us. And as we follow his leading, then what we want to do is let others follow us by not pushing them, but pulling them in the direction that Jesus wants them to go and to be. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, you've you've called us to be a people that know you. And, and maybe this morning someone's come here in our sanctuary, or maybe they've are online with us today, and as we're talking about leading others spiritually, they don't have what we're talking about. They, they can't give what they don't possess, what they what they haven't partaken in. And Father, really, we, we want everyone here this morning to know, again, the simplicity, the singleness of mind of what it means to know Jesus. It's to be devoted to Him. And how do you, how do you devote yourself to Jesus? Is, it all begins by knowing Him. And, and you know Him. When, when you come to that point in your life, you recognize that God loves you. But our lives are messed up because of our sin. And that's why Jesus came to to bridge that gap between us and a holy God. And when He died on the cross for our sins, He paid the penalty for that which separates us from Him. And then He gives us the opportunity to then take what He offers. The Bible says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe in His name. So we're inviting people today to admit their need and turn from that which separates them from God, which is their sin. To believe that Jesus is we claim to be. He's, he's God that came down for us and paid the penalty which separates us from Him on the cross. And then choose today to commit their lives to Jesus Christ by inviting them in to come in, forgive them of their sin and enable them to follow Him fully. And if we pray that prayer and really mean that, we admit our need, believe in You and, and choose to commit to You then you will will change us from the inside out. And Father, for us who've already made that commitment, might we recognize that, again, it's all about knowing you, following you, and then making you known to others. Help us to live for you and to know you. And we praise in Jesus' name, amen.